I hadn't planned on releasing this episode today. Um, I was actually planning to release in two weeks. But given the rise of anti-Semitism because of Kanye West and his rhetoric and him being a symptom of the anti-Semitism that is already running rampant in this country, I felt that my conversation with Henma Zieg was important to share now. Um, Hen Mazik, if you don't know who he is, he is a global leader. He is a vital voice for the Jewish community, and he is someone that I truly enjoyed learning from. So this is my conversation with Hen Mazik. You are listening to We Need to Talk. We need to talk. Hen Mazik, thank you so much for being on We Need to Talk today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and a pleasure to join you. Absolutely. You know, I... I appreciate your willingness to chat with me. I couldn't be more thrilled because I love your work. I love following you. I think that you are such a necessary voice and I have learned so much from you. And and that's really what this podcast for me has always been about in the conversations that I have is my aptitude for learning and wanting to be educated so that I can continue to spread messages for people that I think are doing really great work. And you're one of those people. And obviously you're such a necessary voice for the Jewish community. And as I was prepping for this conversation, I did get a little overwhelmed because there's so much that I want to talk to you about. And I was trying to find different ways on how to approach it. And I was like, I'm just going to go the route of asking because I feel like Again, you're one of those type of people that I can just ask anything to and we'll have a great conversation. Um, But one of the things that I really wanted to discuss with you, one of the main things, and it's really to help my listeners sort of grasp and understand is, and this is a big one, it's just anti-Semitism as a whole. Because I think that there is such a lack of understanding that it is such a big issue, not just globally, but I want to focus on the states specifically. but. I've been so surprised to learn how it kind of got propagated specifically within the states because, for example, racism against black Americans, like, I get that. We know the history. We know slavery was rooted here and all of that and and so on and so forth. And, And we can track that. Obviously, I'm not saying it's okay to be racist against black Americans, but it's something that I get because of the history. But for me personally, I have been so ignorant on how anti-Semitism has become such a prevalent thing in the States. So I really, please, I am, I'm, I'm a, I'm a listener. I am a student here and break this down for my listeners because it is something that I just, I haven't come to understand. Right. And wow, what, a, what an opening. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's, I, I, that's don't, uh, I, I don't beat around the bush. I'm like, we're, we're here to talk. <laughs> straight into it. But you know what? I wish more people were having this approach of like, uh, we want to learn and we want to talk because I think that, you know, we're, we're speaking about anti-Semitism and it's so hard. The reason that so many people have problem with it, I think, is because it's shape-shifting and it's not always the same thing. It can manifest itself in so many different ways. Um, I think also racism, we we learned today that uh, racism is more complex than just uh, colorism, that there's more to it and there's uh, different um, um, prejudice that are embedded in us in in, in white societies um, that we need to, le- to unlearn. And I think in the same way, anti-Semitism, while it's very complex, it's something that we have the tools and everyone has the tools today to uh, to educate themselves. Yeah. And we all have 
to do that, right? Yeah. So I think um, if we're talking about anti-Semitism, it's more than just hating Jews um, and wanting, I mean, that's the core. The core of anti-Semitism is basically to eradicate the Jewish people, that mm. there won't be any Jews left. It started It started long before the Holocaust. The Holocaust is probably one of the more recent um, tragedies the Jewish people knew, where, or, or one of the worst genocide in the history, where a third of the Jewish people were completely erased in systemic genocide that you know, where uh, people can't really, I think, uh, it's hard for me to even to comprehend the size of the Holocaust, the idea that someone hated the people so much that they wanted to just take, get rid of all of them, not leaving anyone alone. It wasn't just in Europe. I mean, the Holocaust happened to my grandparents and they were in Tunisia and in Iraq mm. because the Nazis wanted to get everywhere. It's, it was from Europe to North, to North Africa, to North America, to, um, to the Middle East. So um, anti-Semitism is really, it's this core ideology that is uh, all about seeing Jews as others and thinking of Jews as um, as liars or swindlers or people that are trying to take something out of the public, out of the public good. It's very unique in the sense that it's not just seeing Jews as, um, uh, you know, as a subhuman. It's also seeing them as superhuman in the yeah. same time. So you can say, you know, those Jews are disgusting and all those terrible things about them, but they also control the media and they control the bank. How can they be so stupid and so smart at the same time? Right. It's such uh, a huge contradiction. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think um, while racism is about enslavement and colonial colon, colonizing, um, I think anti-Semitism is about um, uh, eradication of a whole people. I think that's right. the... That's why it's 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 not the same as racism. It is there is several elements that are similar, but um, the the goal of antisemitism is really to not leave any Jew alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to use us as uh, as as a, as a labor power. The only way that they used us in in the Holocaust was to you know to lead Jews into gas chambers. So that's yeah. I think that's the main difference that we're seeing, and I think that also what we're seeing with the black and Jewish community, this misunderstanding, misunderstanding or between both sides, I think, you know, where, um, where the Jewish community has been portrayed as the superpower uh, that controls everything, as I said, superpower, but also subhuman at the same time. Uh, and the black community has been portrayed as subhuman also in the same time. And then like almost pitting us one against each other. Yeah, yeah. I say people that are racist and anti-Semite, the, don't like us at all, but just pushing Jews against blacks, uh, the black community, and I think that's really something that we need to, um, to 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 recognize and identify, and not allow it to happen. I couldn't agree more, and I think what frustrates me, and I <laughs> I use this example so often, people are like Melinda, stop. But have you seen A Bug's Life, the Pixar movie A Bug's Life? Yeah, you know that moment when like all the ants finally realize that there's more of them and they can turn against the grasshoppers. I'm like waiting for our A Bug's Life moment yes. to happen. <laughs> Me too. Oh I've my been god. Waiting for forever. I'm like, you guys, we're look, we're not looking at the right people. The white supremacy is over there. Like, let's get them. Let's turn against them. Because I think the minute, the minute we realize that, like, we actually will have more power in that sense. Absolutely. Because we are absolute. There's more power in numbers. There's more power in unity. And there's more power in an aligned positive message. And that's what I, I, the more conversations I have, and I know it's going to take one by one and and it's going to take a while, but that's what I'm waiting for people to just, the light bulb turns on. It's like, oh. We actually are kind of in the same boat. We need to just ride together. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look in uh, at the States, you see that some Jews were allowed to um, not really pass into whiteness, but they were told by, you know, by 
in America that they can um, that they might be accepted uh, to top positions, but only if they yeah. give up their Jewish identity, only if they behave in a certain way that mm-hmm. the the elite wants them to 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 behave like. Um, and I think that really created some um, misunderstanding. There, were, there are several books that discuss that, but uh, this um, idea that Jews are white, although we're not really white, and even if if a Jewish person is um, right. has pale skin, they're still not enjoying the benefits of white privilege to the full extent in white-dominated society. So, you know, a Jewish person can be um, mm-hmm. with blonde hair and blue eyes and and pale uh, pale skin, but still be reminded that they're not they don't belong in society or being called names why they find out that they are Jewish or being attacked uh, in the streets when they go into a synagogue. Our synagogues, as we know, are unsafe because there are so many attacks on, yeah. on synagogues. So I think that's really important for both the Jewish community and the Black community to to recognize that, that even if we can have this, which is also racist, the conditional whiteness that we are given, that we can pass, even if we are giving it, we're not really, ta- we're not, we'll never be able to take a full advantage of it. For sure. There's there's absolutely no way. And I think that also for, you know, as you said, Jews that could be considered white passing or even, you know, more black Americans that have a closer proximity to whiteness. And I've said this before. Also, it's like almost like a form of protection at some point because you don't want to be the one that's attacked. But again, we got to be the ants (laughs) against the grasshoppers and figure it out. Right. So uh, it's just it's trying to figure out the best way for people to understand the alignment and the message, because there has been Black Jewish unity in the past, and it has been very, very powerful. And I just want us to get back to that place. And I mean, I'm kind of at a loss, but I know you've been doing a lot of work just trying to to bring that message out and having those conversations. And in the conversations that you've had, have you been able to, you know, I, I don't want to use the word convince, but I guess just educate people on the importance of this and kind of shift mindset in any way? Uh, yeah, I think I have. Um, I think it's it's not just it's not that I'm very talented. It's just about telling stories and having these conversations, <laughs> right? Um, you can really educate others. So it's I want to encourage people to do that because when I say, yeah, I have successes, but it's not because I'm amazing. It's because I had conversations. It's about having those conversations, putting the time and effort into it. And I think that often this is this uh, misconceptions that um, some that people have and and some ideas that we were raised with that we keep taking with us throughout our lives and we think that this is true and and everything we see that enforces this truth uh we take with us and what doesn't enforce we just you know put it away but some people that are open for those conversations and I had so many conversations like this with there was um um there was this lady she's a fashion blogger a black fashion blogger that um was um um was caught with in, involved with anti-semitism online tweeted some terrible things online um about the Jewish community when she was younger and I reached out to her and we started having this conversation and she said you know I I just I had no idea I, I thought that Jews were actually from Europe uh, and when I told her my grandparents are actually from Iraq and my and my grandparents from my father's side are and my father are from North Africa and that there's big Ethiopian Jewish community and that Jews come in all colors and we're, you know, we were scattered throughout the world, but we all come from Israel. She was really surprised to find out about this, mm. you know, this history. And I think that really changed it. And I think it's also complicated yeah. because Jews had such a long diaspora. We, we've been everywhere for so long uh, out of out of our home, which is Israel. And now half of us have returned there. And I think that's um, um, that's where... I mean, that's where our heart has always been, but we also been in so many different countries and lands. 
um, yeah. changed us as people. And I think that's what makes us so diverse. And that's what makes it makes us so hard for people to understand as well. Yeah. And that's, again, another thing that is kind of the parallel lives uh, in the history of of Black Americans and African Americans and Jewish communities that no matter where we've been and we've been tried to, you know, they try to kick us out, we thrive and we have joy. Right. And, and that's what I do love as, as I'm getting to know more about the Jewish community and having these conversations. I'm like, there are so many parallels to, to the Black experience as well that I wish we would just get on board with. But there are a couple of things that you said just in that conversation with that fashion blogger. It also goes back to education of history because what drives me crazy about the, the United States education system is how they water down everything mm -hmm. to protect people. So I don't even think that there's accurate a representation of Jewish history or any really Jewish history in the schools. But I absolutely know that there's a watered down version of black American history because they want to keep you from really, really, really knowing the truth. So it just goes back to that. Like she didn't even know that Jewish people were, you know what I mean? She only thought they were from Europe. So that right there is why we are in some of the positions that we're in is because of the lack of education. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I mean, th this podcast and, and work like this is really making a difference because now more people would would listen to it and learn about it. And like you said, it takes time and it takes effort. But um, but I think we are moving the needle. And I see that a lot of um, a lot of Jews and and uh, um, and black folks really are opening up to it and starting to speak to one another and realizing just what you just said. And and I realize that too yeah. that we we have so many similarities in our story and we are stronger when we are unified and that we're coming together. Do you have any stories to share with me about uh, experiences that you had like this between you know the um, bridging the misunderstanding between the black community and Jewish community? I mean, honestly, I think people just listening to the podcast, because I've had several other people from the Jewish community that are, that are you know, well-known Jewish voices. Noah Tishby was on my show. Jonah Platt was on my show. And I, I've been aligned. I've talked to some people from Tel Aviv Institute as well. Um, and it, people that have written me about the podcast were just like, nobody's having this conversation. So thank you. So that's, you know, again, it could be five people, could be 10 people, but it, it is going to be bit by bit, piece by piece, day by day. So I'm just grateful that people are listening and now wanting to educate themselves further. Yeah. yeah. So that's been great. Yeah. But what I want to talk to you about now, um, and even it, it goes back to something that you said, is the word Zionism and being a Zionist, because there seems to be it seems to be a word that a lot of people misunderstand. And I truly didn't even know what it was, honestly. I was just like, what, is, what does that mean? I didn't think it was a bad thing or a good thing. I was like, what is it? Um, but it almost always has a negative connotation whenever I hear it. So please, <laughs> can you please explain what it means and how it pertains to Jewish people and when or where or why or whatever it has all of a sudden been compared to like the Jewish version of Christian nationalism of white supremacy, because that's what I have heard. And in my research, I'm like, mm, I don't think that that's what this is. Right. And I'm sure you've heard that comparison as well. So please break it down for my listeners. What is Zionism and what does it mean to be a Zionist? It's such an important question. I'm so happy you asked that um, because <laughs> I mean, I read an article, an interview with, um, 
what's her name? Um, Janixa Bravo. Uh, do you know her? The director. She's a black and Jewish director. I, I forgot her name okay. right now. It's, I'm putting a blank, but I think her last name is Bravo. And she uh, and she was saying how she believes in Israel's right to exist. And she was describing what Zionist herself as a Zionist. And then at the end, she said. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm a Zionist. And I said, well, but you just said that you are a Zionist. So that's <laughs> such an important question to ask. And um, uh, Zionism it has a really clear and basic definition. People added a lot of things to it, but the definition mm-hmm. of, the, of the word Zionism is to believe that the Jewish people have the right for self-determination in their ancient homeland. It doesn't mean anything else. doesn't mean taking land from anyone else. doesn't mean believing in war or believing in peace. Well, it is in peace, of course, but it's about the belief that the Jewish people have the right for self-determination for a nation of their of their own in our homeland, which is Israel. That's where we started. We, we, a lot of people talk about imperialism now, but I don't think people really understand what imperialism is. Um, you, know, you recognize an empire by language, so empires use language to control other areas, and that that's how they spread their control. So that's why so many countries speak English today. And if you want to recognize where it started, the empire that started English is England. The same with French. So many countries that speak French or Arabic. And if you want to know where it started, you have to go to the root of this specific empire. There's only one place where Hebrew is being spoken at, and that's in Israel, because Israel is not an empire. Israel is a is a nation state, and it's a 0.03% of the Middle East. It's such a tiny country, but that's where Hebrew started, and that's where the Jewish people also started. Uh, when we're talking about indigenous, uh, indigenous peoples uh, and their connection to the land, you are indigenous to a land as long as you can maintain the connection to that land. Um, so the Jewish people have maintained the connection to the land of Israel through thousands of years um, by, you know, every day we pray towards Jerusalem, no matter where you are in the world, you have to orient yourself towards Jerusalem. Uh, You have to, you know, remember Jerusalem and and Israel and you have to, um, you know, there's practices that are very indigenous people's uh, practices that the Jewish people are doing. We call it religion now, but it's uh, meant also to maintain our connection to our land. So Jewish people started from Israel and that's what Zionism is about. Zionism is the belief that Jews have righteous and like every other nation, to have a homeland in yeah. Israel. Um, and today people add to this definition so many other things. Some people add to it, you know, the idea that uh, Israel has to be throughout the Middle East, or Israel has to be bigger, or Israel has to be smaller, or Zionism is uh, against Palestinians. It's not against Palestinians. In fact, the, the early Zionists, and Zionists until today, believe in national rights for the Palestinians. If you believe in national rights for Jews, it's very hard to say that other people don't deserve it. So many Zionists today, most Zionists that I know, will tell you that they also believe that Palestinians have right for a country and any Arab country around us. There are, you know, there are 57 Arab and Muslim countries in the Middle East. There's only one Jewish country. And that's what we're talking mm. about. We're saying that the Jews have a right for a country of their own. It should be a democratic country. It should be a country for every citizen. You know, 25% or 30% almost of Israelis are Muslim, are Arab Israelis. Um, so it means that they can live as equal citizens, but in a Jewish country, the same way that um, you know, England is a Christian country. And um, um, fra- oh, I mean, there's so many Muslim countries that I gave examples of. It doesn't mean that no one else can live there. It just means that some of the, you know, that you feel belong, because when I live in a Christian country, I don't feel really belong because Sunday is a day off. And for me, Saturday is the holiday. Um, Christmas is mm-hmm. celebrated, but I, but I celebrate Hanukkah. So it's always like, you know, I don't feel fully belong. And there's one place in the world that I know that, you know, my language is being spoken, that Saturday is a day off, that the holidays are being kept. I can feel that this is a place that I'm safe at. And I do feel safe in other places, of course, but not as much as a place where I don't feel different. 
That is all so interesting and so helpful. And I'm so glad you took the time to explain all of that. And I hope people digest it and even rewind and listen again, because it's very, very important. So my follow-up question to you is then, from your vantage point, at what point did the definition of Zionism start to get convoluted and start to take on a different definition from what you all that you just said? Because again, as I said, before I really started doing my own research and having my own conversations, it, it always came across as this negative thing. And I don't know when that shift happened. So I'm just curious when you started to notice that or maybe even who was pushing that that narrative forward. Right. Well, a lot of people are pushing this uh, anti-Zionist narrative forward. <laughs> right. Uh, we, I don't think we have enough time to speak about all of them, but you know, it was definitely <laughs> the, the Soviet Union, The um, even Hitler in his book, Mein Kampf, he described Zionism as this, um, you know, the Jews just want to control the whole world from Israel. So that's what they're going to do there. So even Hitler was one of the early anti-Zionists I mean, that's what's crazy that people that are saying they're anti-Nazis then, you know, parade the same ideas that Hitler spread. I'm like, are you guys like, do you? And I mean, what I'm seeing in America is that often anti-Zionist Jewish voices are being pushed forward. And, you know, according to every research and every polling of American Jews that has been done by Gallup and um, um, Melman Group, there are so many groups that have surveyed American Jews to find out really how many Jews are anti-Zionist because it feels like they're everywhere. Mm. And they all find that it's not more than 5%. So only 5% of American Jews hold anti-Zionist ideas. And when you look online and when you listen to the news, it sounds like it's way more. It sounds like there's, you know, it's a legitimate point of view, although it isn't. And I, and I know that many other communities, the black community, but also for me as a gay person, I know that even the gay community, you often have gay voices that don't represent us uh, speaking up uh, in the media or Caitlyn Jenner speaking for trans, yeah. for the trans community. We on Fox News, you know, we know she doesn't represent the, the trans- speaking for black people. Yes, you, you said that. But yeah, I, you know, that's <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> I was walking around. I was trying not to say it. But yes, I, I'm with you. And that's something that I would not say. I mean, that's the black community's job to say. And that's sure. the job of the Jewish community also to say that anti-Zionists, and we are saying it, they don't represent us. Yeah. And most Jews that you ask over 95% of them will tell you that they do, they are Zionists. And that's why it's so um, interesting to see that only the 5% that that are anti-Zionists are the ones that are constantly being paraded and pushed forward and pushed into our throat to say, this is what you guys are, or this is legitimate conversation to have. And it's not legitimate. It's interesting though. Yeah, no, for sure. And I I think that I see, I mean, I even see that in the States in general, I feel like the loudest voices usually are, the smallest percentage somehow. And I'm looking around like, how, how do they always have a megaphone? (laughs) It's crazy, right? So that's interesting to hear that because I definitely would have thought the opposite. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, So speaking of, of Zionism, obviously one of the biggest points of contention within the Jewish community is the conflict with Palestine, which is another thing that people have so many misconceptions about don't aren't really educated about myself included the more i've tried to learn i I see how nuanced and complicated it is so how are you breaking it down for people so that they can try to understand um i mean i think that often i just need i'm coming from a 
place of listening to people and hearing what they have to say. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that people have so many, you know, ideas and foreign policies about a country they've never been to oh, really? and about people they've never mm-hmm. met. And they all know exactly how it should be. And they don't understand why we just don't figure it out ourselves um, and why we vote for the leaders that we vote. Um, and, I'm, and then I'm saying, well, I mean, look at some of the leaders in the West. I, I, I'm keeping, you know, I'll keep my opinions for myself yeah. because I'm, um, I'm Israeli, but but it is complicated everywhere. I mean, the whole world is a turmoil and there's so many conflicts happening. And this conflict is one of the most complicated ones that has lasted for so long. Um, and I think that what Israelis and Palestinians really need, if you ask me what you can do to help, mm-hmm. is to help us see each other as human mm-hmm. and not to take I don't want people to be pro-Israel. I don't want people to be pro-Palestine. I want them to be pro-peace mm-hmm. and it's what we also, anyone that you speak to uh, at the Tel Aviv Institute will tell you that this is what we believe in. We believe in 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 peace. We believe in seeing each other as human. Um, and so many people are trying to dehumanize us, both Israel, to dehumanize both Israelis and Palestinians. And I think it's up to us to really humanize each other and see each other as human. And that's the way we can achieve peace. Peace will probably not come from our leaders. Um, I'm I'm hopeful, but you know, there's just so much we can wait. Yeah. Um, I think peace will start with people. And once people would do that and promote both Israelis and Palestinians, and I really I want to emphasize it, don't take sides, don't post anything that you think that is one-sided. If something is one-sided, it's probably not true. Yeah. There, there's more to every story. Yeah. Uh, and if we live 6,000 miles away from a country we, that, you know, we get some reports from it, there's probably more to it. So I would just say if, you know, there's two people here, both of them deserve to live in peace and dignity and security, and it's about promoting yeah. peace. What does peace look like to you? And do you see a path forward? Um, I do. I do see a path forward. And um, probably some people that you ask this question from that are coming from where I'm from will say, oh, yeah, it should be like this. It should be two states. It should be this are the borders. And uh, while I do, I do believe in two states, um, but I I don't think that this is what we need to speak about, because I think peace for me looks like my children being able to play with Palestinian Mm -hmm. children and them having a future together and seeing each other really as as uh, as brothers that we are. We all come from the same land and we need to share this land. Um, so it's not about the solution as uh, as bo- where the borders would be, not much as, as that, but more of how people will be able to share this and uh, this land. And, you know, when indigenous people are very welcoming. We want to share our land. We want people to live together. Uh, I think the Jewish community, the Jewish people in Israel are like that as well. That's how you have over 20% Israeli, uh, Israeli Arabs that are some of them might say they are Palestinians as well, but you know they they live in Israel, and there is it can work. It's definitely can work. It's just a matter of uh, of Israelis and Palestinians, um, you know, seeing each other as humans. So that's going back to the other answer. But I think that's the key: yeah. the humanizing one another. I think I, I think most problems could be solved if people took that mindset honestly, just around the world. And it's it's heartbreaking for me to see that people don't naturally have empathy and they don't take a minute to just think if I were in this situation, how would I want to be treated or how would I feel? People do really treat things like they're black and white and it's one side or the other. And it really doesn't have to be when there are, there's a lot of gray area everywhere. Right. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we can all want world peace. Will it happen? Probably not in our lifetime, right? But yeah. I do think that that is at base 
what people need to start doing is like we are truly all humans. And, you know, people will always say like, oh, we're, we're, we're you know, especially in the States, like we're all the human race. I don't see color, blah, 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 when it's convenient for them. But when it actually comes to actual situations, then they don't want to take the time to actually be that way. So I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I absolutely couldn't agree with you more. And I, I do hope for that. I do hope for that for sure. Um, and the work that you're doing, obviously, is, is super, super important. One of the things, though, I, I want to talk about in regards to just the perceptions of that, that conflict with Palestine and how it's perceived in the States. Because obviously, when the, the last, I guess, big blow-up happened um, not too long ago, a lot of people were taking sides and posting. And, and I was definitely one of those people that misunderstood the situation, and I even fell back and came back and said, hey, this is actually what I realized. So I'm not even going to talk. I'm just going to let other people talk because I, I misstepped. And that's when I was like, okay, I got, I, I got to learn. I, I have to be educated. And I'm not one of those people that is um, too prideful to, to not, you know, to know when you're wrong and when you need to take a step back and just listen to other people. But what I did notice is that a lot of people in the state specifically who are the social justice warriors and that are on the left and are really progressive don't tend to include the Jewish community in that fight. And I'm sure you've noticed that as well. And I'm wondering, and and, and I'm sure it's just going to go back to a lot of the things you said earlier, but why you think it's so difficult for those progressive activists to include the Jewish community in their, their fight for diversity in their fight for inclusivity in their fight for equal rights um i mean we're thinking about american jews and and um what the makeup of i mean they're what less than two percent of american population such a tiny minority um and you know I'm, i'm really involved in progressive spaces i'm progressive because i believe in trans rights and I believe in LGBTQ rights and I believe in, uh, I'm an anti-racist. I'm, I believe that we have to fight against every injustice and that everyone should be equal. And I do believe in social justice. I believe in all those things and I, and I fight for them and I march when I need to march. And I, and I speak up about hate crimes when it happens to every other minority community that, that I, you know, I'm using my voice and my platform to speak up. I just posted about Iranian women yeah. because I do care. Yeah. Um, and I think that, what what is really heartbreaking for me is that no one is speaking up for for my community when when we need help, um, and I and I can say that even more clearly because I see how much support I get as a gay person um, with LGBTQ pride, and I can see how much support um, I get when I speak about my family coming from Iraq and North Africa and being a person of color in this sense. Um, so I can I can hear the support, but then when I speak about Jews and about anti-Semitism, there's this almost this shutdown from people. Um, yeah, they just. <laughs> They just, they can't see us. And it goes back to this dehumanization because if they saw us as humans and if they saw us as equal and and as people that deserve a voice, they would have fought for us. They would have said, okay, it's a synagogue shooting. Let's go and help and speak up for the Jewish community. But there's nothing happening. I mean, when there's a synagogue attack or when there's a Jewish community in Chicago being attacked by a neo-Nazi, people are saying, wait, let's not call it anti-Semitism yet. Let's figure it out. And two weeks later, they'll find out that it was, you know, the motive was anti-Semitism, but we're not going to hear about that because it's it's too late and it passed the news cycle. But when any other community, uh, a hate crime is targeting this community, immediately everyone will stand up for them and not even wait for an investigation. Yeah. And it's and it's sad. And I think it also comes from thinking that 
Um, it's really, it's all the core is anti-Semitism. I'm not, and it's important that people, when I say that it's anti-Semitism, people are not shutting down and saying, well, I'm not an anti-Semite. I don't hate Jews. I have no anti-Semitic bone in my body. Um, but it's important that they would listen to it and say, well, maybe it is anti-Semitism. Maybe there is something that makes us think that Jews are all privileged or make us think that Jews are all powerful uh, or make us think that when a synagogue is attacked, maybe they had it coming. This, this sort of thoughts um, that some people, I mean, I'm, I meet people that, that, you know, that I'm friendly with that would say, yes, I had, we had those thoughts before we had those conversations with you. Um, and we have to unlearn that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about us recognizing it. And when it happens to ask ourselves, wait, why aren't we speaking about this the same way that we would speak about any other hate crime in any other community? I think the Jewish community is always being very careful not to, uh, force ourselves or, or, or take uh, too much space and we're already afraid that there's so much hate against us. The last thing we want is to encourage more hate. Yeah. Uh, and often that's why we're not hearing about those hate crimes. So I'm, you know, I made it my life work to, to speak about that. And, and I, you know, and I actually address this issue as well in my, uh, in my book that I'm plugging my book Please that is coming out. <laughs> uh, it's called The Wrong Kind of Jew. And I'm speaking about what it means to be the wrong kind of Jew that doesn't fit those stereotypes. Um, and that the world has some expectation of me and I just failed to uh, to stand up to this expectation, but very proud of being the wrong kind of Jew. And I think the more wrong Jews there, there are out there, maybe people will see us um, in the right way. I love it. I can't wait to read it. I'm super excited about it. I just think what you're doing is incredible. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to educate me and just have this beautiful conversation. And I, I know that people got something out of it. And I hope that they take this conversation, spread it and start to educate themselves even more because education really is the key to making a difference. Um, Hen, please let everybody know where they can follow you and keep up with all the great work that you're doing. Uh, sure. I'm on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, every social media almost out there. Uh, so it's just Hen Mazig, H-E-N-M-A-Z-Z-I-G or Z-Z-I-G. Um, yeah. And I have a website, henmazig.com. Uh, you can find me there. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me today. This was such an honor and a pleasure. And um, even, I mean, I, I know it's going to be great, but I'm, I enjoyed it even more. Thank oh, you for thank you. hearing me out and, and putting this important topic on, on your agenda. And to the listeners, thank you again for joining me for another episode of We Need to Talk. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. And remember, everything begins with a conversation. See you next week. We need to talk.